0: Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans
1: and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. We're back. It's a new week. Got great new guests. Got three guests today. Got a special guest, Chewy. And, uh, looking forward to hearing his story and, uh, sharing with our listeners, uh, all the great things he has to say about leadership and, uh, how we should, uh, view our injured and, uh, take care of our American troops. And we also got, uh, Lord and Lady Shoe joining us, uh,
2: today, making a special appearance. There's a, there's a story behind that too on why they're, uh, why they're called Lord and Lady Shoe. So, uh. That, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. The whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hey, uh, welcome to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. Purple Heart Homes is a 501c3 uh, based out of Statesville, North Carolina, but we're a national organization. We do work in almost every state helping veterans uh, solve safety and accessibility issues with their homes through home renovations, uh, through solving homelessness issues with uh, disabled veterans, and also, too, now we are working on uh, helping veterans employment as well and so uh, we're excited thanks for to our folks for being on the show and Chewy thank you for joining us from the uh, top secret, secret bunker somewhere in America uh, and uh, so uh, really glad to have you on so uh, Chewy and I have been friends for a very very long time um, we have uh, served together in uniform and remain friends uh, even when we're not in uniform and I uh, uh, Chewy serves uh, as a sergeant major in the special operations community, and uh, we're uh, we're really excited to have him. He's not only that; he is uh, he's a renaissance man. Um, he is a uh, a husband uh, of a wonderful wife, and the father of six kids, and uh, and uh, and he's a leader of leaders. And so, uh, really excited to have you on the show today, buddy. Thank you.
3: Thanks, chap. John, pleasure to be here. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me.
1: You know, I, I think the one thing I just want to stay away from is uh, the sergeant major making me do duck walks today. Oh my gosh,
2: that, yeah. No, he that did that one walks. time, didn't he? So for for those that don't know, we did a... Uh, we no, did a
3: don't bring up old stuff, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> We're
2: bringing up... These are old wounds. I was emotionally hurt that day as well. Um, emotionally
1: hurt that day and physically in pain for two was, weeks later. It, it was
2: terrible. So, you know, back in 2018, our, our friend Dale Beatty and co-founder of Purple Heart Homes passed away, and we did a... Uh, We did a thing called a GORUCK event uh, to uh, memorialize him and and, uh, raise some funds for Purple Heart Home at the same time, but uh, um, Chewy was our our cadre that day, and if you don't know what cadre is in the GORUCK community, that means that's the person that is uh, fussing at you and telling you what to do for long periods of time. (laughs) I like to say it means uh, cadre
1: is uh, (laughs) the make your life miserable person.
2: Yeah. Yeah, That's right, made my life miserable and there was this one point we were in Freedom Park in Charlotte, North Carolina and it was like it was like a it was a beautiful sunny day in February or March of that year and we were there were there were hundreds of people out you know just enjoying the day in downtown Charlotte and and Chewie is have and Chewie and TJ, our friend TJ, came right, and, and we were duck walking across this park. And uh, I was last. I do remember this. I was last, and Chewie came up and whispered in my ear. Didn't yell at me. Just whispered in me my ear and said what's your problem old man <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite part about that event
1: aside from uh, aside from all the fun and uh, camaraderie that we had was uh was when i realized that uh they they had us doing the uh flutter kicks in the uh in the wishing well pond right. there in yes. the middle of downtown charlotte yes and um and i was Sitting there and doing my flutter kicks, and I think we were doing maybe some front back goes yeah. and doing all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff. And about that time, I saw these homeless people walking by, kind of <laughs> laughing,
3: <laughs> and I realized this is probably where they pee. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is. It is. It was cold and freezing.
3: What, what was the wish you
4: made at the time?
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wish that it.
2: this would be over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we had a great day that day, and there were a lot of people came out, and uh, it's a fond memory. I've got a great picture of John and myself right after that was over, because that was the best part of that day. So uh, fantastic. For sure. So, uh, Chewy, thank you uh, so much for, uh, uh, for joining us this morning, and, and um, hey, I won't belabor the point, man. If you would, just give everybody a quick bio on you. Where'd you come from, and how'd you get in the military, and you can throw some stuff in there about that f- wonderful family of yours as well.
3: Yeah. So, Brad, you mentioned Michelle and I've been married for uh, about almost 13 years now. We have uh, six kids, age- ages aging ranging from 10 to three. So, so we the way we like to say it is we we had six kids in seven years. Is what mm-hmm. we say. That's right. Uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, so originally I'm from the Dominican Republic, and uh, you know came to the United States when I was eight. Um, and so. I like to tell people I got indoctrinated to being in the military by learning how to speak English because there's a TV show, we're all about the same age, I'm 45, that I grew up in, it was G.I. Joe. And there was this guy on that TV show, his name was Flint. I see one of my mates smiling because he was also indoctrinated in the military because of G.I. Joe. Uh, and so so I tell folks that I was a soldier from the time that I set foot uh, in the United States. Um, but, but, you know, years go on and and i had a a brother who basically he was he was my dad you know my parents divorced at a young age and he raised me he was he was seven years senior to me and so when i was 12 he he took off uh for the army and uh and about six months uh into being in the in in the army he shipped off to operation desert shield desert storm um you, you guys all remember that and I remember him coming back nine months later. We shared a room, and when we were unpacking uh, all his stuff back then, you know, you didn't do the, uh, you know, the recovery and all the stuff that you do now, where you have the mandatory four or five weeks of recovery before you you uh, go on leave. He actually came straight home on leave, and we emptied out his bags in our in our bedroom, and there was sand all over the floor. And I took one of his booty caps, one of those round hats. you wear in the desert, keep the sun off your face. And so, so I took one of those, I put it on and I saw the sand on the floor. And that was it for me. Like I knew what I was destined to do. Right. And so, you know, when I, when I was old enough, 18, um, I joined the army as a uh, construction equipment mechanic. Enjoy that was in a combat engineer unit. Um, I got a funny story about that later, but, um, yeah, went, went off, did, did that, eventually found my way over to SF, served in a first special forces group, um, served on a team in seven special forces group, uh, then went over to third group. And, uh, and most recent, last three years, I've been in what we call SWIG or uh, special warfare training group. Um, I'm currently the command sergeant major for the second battalion, second training group, which focuses on advanced skills so one of our companies is down in key west florida uh, they're the combat dive course or the special forces underwater operations center um, we have the military Freefall company that's out at UMA, arizona and then we have all things what we call surgical strike basically close quarter uh combat and and our special forces sniper Course here on fort bragg uh, so that's me in a nutshell
2: that's an awesome nutshell. Yeah. I'd say that's more like a bag of nuts. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a whole bunch of them. Hey, so uh, I remember you telling me this story, but I think it's cool that and you got interested in in being uh, in special operations because you got attached to some guys, you know, at one point, and and they kind of mentored you. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. So, so I think you're mixing two stories. So, so that that leads me to like my funny story, right? So yeah. I'm a, I'm a mechanic in a um, in a construction engineer unit, and uh, I'd been putting what's called a 4187. That's like the form to request something. I'd put in like four or five of those to go airborne because, again, that's what my brother was. He was a you know paratrooper. That's what I wanted to be. That's what I thought special forces was. I had no idea that there was actually like a special unit out there. Um, keep in mind, this is the nineties, right? And so we don't have the internet the way we have now. Right. So, so he put in these 4187s, and and they either get lost or, you know, they don't get processed. And finally mine makes it through the wickets. And back then you had to call a 1-800 number to see if you were on, on orders. So here I am on, I think it was 1-800 FYI PMD or something like that. So, so I call this number and no kidding. I'm on assignment for airborne school, so I'm stoked about it. Two weeks later, I'm told, "Hey, no, you're you're on assignment to to Germany, and we're deleting uh, that airborne thing." So <clears throat> I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna sign a deck. I'm getting out of the military. I'm I've been trying to be a, a paratrooper for a long time now." So my my command center major pulls me in his office, says, "Hey, man, why are you getting out? I just signed this work for you," and so I explain it to him. And no kidding, this guy picks up the phone, <clears throat> makes a phone call to, to my branch manager, gets me back on assignment, and then asks, hey, um, do you want to jump, like, here on Fort Lewis or do you want to go to Fort Bragg? I was like, oh, I didn't know. He was like, yeah, do you want to go to First Special Forces Group? And so my eyes lit up. I'm like, what? Right? Yeah. So, you know, I do my clearance stuff, and I show up, and uh, I'm excited to be in the Special Forces unit. And, uh, and finally, my sponsor shows up as I show up to the unit. And he's like, hey, grab your stuff. Let's go. I'm like, hey, where are we going? He's like, hey, we're going down to the motor pool. And so then it dawned on me that at the time, I thought I was coming to, special, to the Special Forces unit to be a commando. I no, didn't realize God. that I was yeah. to the Special Forces unit to yeah. serve as a mechanic. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man. So, so there, was, there was this four-month period where I'm super stoked. And I thought I was highly selected to be a commander. Uh, you know, that didn't happen. For four or five years. They're now.
2: like, nah, you, if you want to do that, you got to do some other things, right? <laughs> They're like, no, man, we got to issue your toolboxes is what we got to give you. That's awesome, man. What the Army
1: needs. Yeah, that's absolutely. where we go. Go ahead, John. You know, uh, Chewy, I, I just want to kind of start, you know, transition here a little bit. We've had some conversation uh, before the show, but uh, just, and we got a commercial break coming up, so just briefly share with us uh, some of your perspective about your... Your time in service, and what you've seen out of injury. I mean, you talk about you know these this specialized unit, but you can't go through uh, any type of you know intense training or intense service without coming out with different uh, types of injuries. Everybody's impacted somehow. So, share a little bit about your perspective from that.
3: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say is that I think regardless of what profession you go into, you know, as time goes on and you get older, you're going to have injuries, right? And so. You know the, the profession that um, you know that, that God chose for me, and doing this, and, and I wouldn't change anything for anything. But the profession that that uh, that He chose for me was one where where you are required to use your body a lot, and you're carrying a lot of weight, um, and uh, you know sometimes there's bullets and explosions, right? That, that 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 doesn't happen all the time, but but from time to time that happens. Um, there's a lot of risk involved. And so there's really no way around it. Even on a perfect day, if we didn't go to if you served 20 years and didn't go to combat one single day, you're going to walk away with some uh, with probably some some serious injuries, right? You get older and and running and carrying weight and and all of those things, right? What? And so I don't think there's any service
2: <laughs>
1: let, let alone practicing jumping out of perfectly good airplanes, right?
3: that that that'll do it to you that'll yeah. do it to you uh or you know even combat diving right like you're you're breathing on this closed circuit system that scrubs uh your bad air and you're rebreathing the air that you've had in and although although it works there is a reason <laughs> there's a reason why you can only do it for a certain period of time uh in a 24-hour period so so there's a gamut of things that uh that um that do that but i will tell you and, and I think most service members would agree with me, uh, the two that are on screen probably would agree, is I would not change it for anything in the world. It has been an absolute blessing, uh, the good days and the bad days. So, um, but you know, on my, on my perspective, I'll, I'll tell you this. I personally, you know, don't like how uh, I feel uh, America views us. You know, they view a veteran right now, I feel like, Someone that's missing a leg, or someone that's crazy, uh, and um, you know that that is totally not the case. And, and I, I feel that may contribute to uh, some of the reasons what why it hurts our, our recruitment, right? Because what parent wants to send their kid off yeah. to an organization where they have this vision of getting their leg blown off or going absolutely crazy because mm. of some uh, um, post-traumatic stress?
1: Wow, Chewy, that's, uh, that's phenomenal, and I, I couldn't agree more, and, and our military uh, needs to hear that. The civilian population needs to hear that. Those that are pondering joining the military need to hear that. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be hearing from Lord and Lady Shu and <laughs> hearing about their story Can't and the work that, that the work that they're doing in this same area and just how... Uh, You need to be getting involved as a listener so that you can make a difference in the future of our nation. Uh, We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate
0: and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. There's always a moment of truth
1: where I say, look, it's either put up or shut up. And it was time to put up. I had crossed that thin line. It was 100-plus degrees. We were hot. We were on fire. We were yelling our hearts out. You could feel the intensity rising. Even in our tiredness, even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continued to push. I told myself, you can suck up the pain for another mile and a half, and you will be a Marine. Not many people believe that I could do it. I don't know where I got the energy from, I don't know where the pain went to, but all I know is that I had what it took. I am a United States Marine.
4: PFC Darrell Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call
2: one 800 Marines? The few, the proud, the Marines. All right, welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And uh, we're live today with... Uh, uh, Chuy Almonte, uh, very dear friend from Special Operations community, and uh, we're now joined by uh, uh, Lord and Lady Shue. Um, they are um, they are royalty. Um, they have lineage and royalty. I will say this: the reason they're even, called even
1: land ownership.
2: Land ownership. They're they're uh, they are landowners in the in the country of Scotland um they bought a one foot by one foot piece of property over there that only one person can stand on it at a time with one foot and they got a piece of paper uh (laughs) saying that they were now lord and lady and uh so we're really excited to have them on the program (laughs) calling in from their bunker uh somewhere uh in a nondescript location so
1: So, you know, one of the the things that really impresses me about uh, Lord and Lady Shoe is uh, not only are they great patriots that have served our nation, but they continue to serve our veteran community and and just making a huge impact and difference. And so I know they've got uh, some things they'd like to share with us about the work that they're doing. And uh, so we'll just turn it right over to you guys. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good
5: morning. Morning. Thanks for having us.
1: All right, so Leah, why don't you uh, share a little bit about the uh, work that you are doing? A, uh, I, I tried to get this right earlier. A clinical therapist, uh, and so as I understand, uh, when you walk into your into your uh, therapy room at your at your shop, your, your doctor's office, we'll call it, uh, you have to take your shoes off. So tell <laughs> tell us a little bit about that.
5: It, it's not a requirement, but you know, I. I hearken back to, you know, when I got out of the military and I went to the VA about, you know, my own issues and, and same with Jason, um, you essentially walk into just a very sterile environment that actually is like a doctor's office. And I I remember before I even started on my path to get my master's degree, I said, you know if I ever do this, I'm gonna do it in a completely different way. And so you walk into my office and it looks like your living room. So you've got comfortable couches, you've got a big ottoman in the middle, um, you've got a refrigerator, I've got you know all the comforts that you would have if you were just sitting in your regular living room. And so low lighting, no overhead lights, um, so I, I want people to feel safe. I want them to feel comfortable. Um, but I, I know, as you know, a combat veteran, and my husband is a combat veteran. I know what we would be comfortable with, and it's not, you know, going into an office where there's somebody typing behind a computer, just looking over, you know, their desk uh, at you. So that was my whole. Um, Kind of my whole purview on what it was that I wanted to do with with uh, with my clients, primarily yeah. my veterans.
2: So you got a cool uh, you got a cool name for um, your your business. Uh, uh, tell everybody what that is.
5: Yeah. So um, Jason, uh, he he did some stuff with um um uh, what was the the disaster relief. Team Rubicon. Team Rubicon. So Jason did some stuff with Team Rubicon um, a few years ago. And he he came back and he got this, you know, this tattoo, the IGY6 tattoo um, on his wrist. And so when I was thinking about, you know, what it is that we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, and of course I heard this terminology whenever I was in, in the service um, as it related to, um, you know, having each other's back. Um, that's what I thought of, I thought, you know, I'm going to name it um, a GY six counseling. And then my, you know, my um, kind of my, my moniker, um, or my motto is um, uh, fighting the war from within because that's, that's what we're doing is we're fighting, you know, this war from within ourselves. So hence a six counseling.
1: Wow, that's really cool, and and uh, Jason's also got a really uh, really neat uh, business going, Shoebox Garage, and uh, got a uh, YouTube channel where you can watch all the uh, work that he's doing. Uh, as most of our listeners know, I love uh, hot rod cars, and mm. and uh, so he's got a really really awesome Jeep. and he can building. fix
2: about anything. So him and Chewy about, have common he can, he can fix. Yeah, anything. him and Chewy have common background on being wrench turners, and and uh, shoes always breaking yeah. something and then fixing it after he breaks it <laughs> uh, and then you know his dad who, who uh left us last year was was always breaking something and he would text me and he would go yeah fred wreck the jeep again right <laughs> and then he'd be <laughs> out working on it and putting some kind of it up on a lift and fixing some kind of broken thing so uh we're really we're really glad you guys uh got up to join us this morning got online and with us this morning and uh just thankful for y'all and we're going to have you guys back on uh on a regular basis so that you can regale us with with um helpful stories about folks you've helped and then also to uh, Mechanicking breakdowns and how to fix things that are broken. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, wow. Plenty of material for that, then. Oh, yeah, plenty of material. <laughs> All sure. right, so
1: let's uh, let's turn back to uh, Chewy, Sergeant Major Amante. And, uh, again, uh, thanks for joining us. You were uh, sharing a little bit about your perspective of uh, injury from service uh, before we went to break. And, and so I want to ask, you know, what was it like when you returned home from your first deployment and kind of this new fresh perspective of of what it meant now to be a combat veteran.
3: Yeah, so that that's an interesting question, right? Because I, I can't even tell you what it was like to come back from from the first one. Uh, you know, it seems like um, all of my deployments are all like intertwined, and uh, sometimes I, I can't even remember, like, hey, this thing. And sometimes sometimes you run into an old friend, and they they bring something up, and you're like, oh yeah, that that happened. I, I think if there's one thing, um that i can say that i personally experience is that you know just the little things in life that you that you appreciate right uh you know everywhere that i go it's it's uh there are no paved roads right and so you know you have to take care of your equipment you know being a mechanic uh tie rod ends are a thing that are very important on a humvee if you blow one of those things out and you don't have a spare you could be in a world of hurt and so um you know just driving on rocks and rubble uh for hours and sometimes days on end at 20 miles an hour and then you know you you uh you come back one of the first things you notice is uh driving down the highway at you know 60 70 or or sometimes i like to go 80. Um, (laughs) so uh so yeah you know the the those those little things right you can appreciate uh those little things and i think i think um you know our mates on screen uh can also relate to this i personally have always been a private person but i think um the sense of not wanting to be around a large amount of people that seems to be common with Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks in our community you know i I'm, i'm not one to say hey, let's go to a baseball game where you have a bunch of drunken people, you know, having a great time. Okay for the, for the, for the great time, but just uh, not having complete control of that is something that I think I noticed made me particularly uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah. I think that's, you know, like one of the, the things that I would share is coming back from, from an environment where, especially for me and my teammates, We were always essentially we would go to a village in a province somewhere and um, and we lived with the local populace. And, um, you know, the places I've gone, I would say people respect uh, dominance. Right. They don't uh, respect uh, weakness. Mm -hmm. And so here you are in a remote location establishing dominance. and uh, and you are essentially the police. Uh, um, you know, you're kind of trying to keep things in line. Uh, and then you come back to this environment where 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 you're not that right. Um, you know, if, if things yeah. don't work out uh, between you and uh, you know someone that's providing a service for you know someone doesn't give you the respect that you feel due, you you can't handle it in the same way yeah
2: yeah. yeah well you're listening to putting the pieces back together presented by purple heart homes if uh, you missed any part of today's show uh, you can find us on our radio uh, or wherever you get your podcasts so and uh, we're continuing to speak with uh, chui almonte uh, from the special forces community
1: yeah, so Chewy, uh, share with us uh, someone who's made a positive impact in your life, uh, whether it's uh, in the service or, or you know, civilian in your in your return home. Uh, someone that's made a positive impact in your life.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I, I am very fortunate because I can't take credit for any successes that I've had. Like, there's just there's just so many people. You know, I mean, number one, right? Like my mom, single single mom. Um, you know working as a waitress seven days a week, uh, to provide a living for us, uh, in, in a very crummy apartment in, in Brooklyn. Um, like no one, I'm gonna tell you, there's no green beret out there. That's tougher than my mom. She is freaking (laughs) tough as nails, man. And so, um, and then she's the most loving person. And then I mentioned my brother who's seven years senior to me, but you know, when you look at the perspective of you know, my my dad left us when we were six, and he essentially had to raise me. He had to be my dad, but he was a kid himself, right? And so for him to do that, and, 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 and I didn't mention, you know, so he, he retired from the military about four or five years ago as a as a sergeant major himself. This guy's very accomplished, um, you know, has numerous things on his walls that say he's accomplished, but he's a very humble man. And then while I've been in the military, there's a— um you know countless friends and and people that i would tell you you know as, as much as i love my brother i have a a closer relationship with some of my teammates um than i than i do with him and and that's just something about the military and so yeah, you know, there's just so many people in my life um that uh continue to check in uh and then just uh uh, have poured into me, invested into me, mm-hmm. both personally and, and, and also as a
2: leader. We've had we've had this discussion before, uh, but uh, you know we all face uh, um, you know struggles and and challenges. Uh, you know when we on this side of you know of, of all the kinetic stuff that that uh, you know everybody went through, and, and you've had m- multiple deployments. But when it when it comes to transitioning back with uh, with your family, like what's the what's kind of one thing that sticks out with that's the most you know annoying thing about about transitioning back after going and doing that and you know being wide open all day long all night long under nods and then and then coming home and you know and michelle going uh hey you need to change a diaper or big daddy you know so i don't know man <laughs> i mean you know you right uh how, oh,
3: how, man, how, how do you think this because when when you talk about man, one of the most challenging things is is really that that integration, right? So for you know, as I mentioned before, we have six kids, right, and they're all they're all little, but but my wife is the boss, man. Like she will lead, you know, that squad like nobody's business, and uh, it's my nature though to want to be in charge, right? And so she's got a system. Yep. She's got you know, what we call in the Army SOPs or Standard mm-hmm. Operating Procedures, right? She has those. And then I come in and, 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 uh, and I, I I throw in chaos, right? And I'm like, <laughs> hey, let's do this. And she's like, no, man, that's not how we are doing business. I got a system. And, you know, you can't just don't mess with my troops, right? <laughs> and so I tell you, she's done a great job of uh, preparing me. And so she will give me, you know, I'm 60 days out. It's like, hey, i want to give you a reminder. Um, This is the way we do things in the morning. And then at 30 days out, she's telling me. And then two weeks out and a couple of days prior, uh, and like we're FaceTiming, right? Because, you know, that's the great thing about technology. We're FaceTiming or, or Zooming. And so she can see it. She's like, no, I'm serious. This is what I need you to do. And even with all that, I still screw it up. You know,
1: right. You know, it's interesting, uh, Chewy, and I've I've often said this. Uh, you know, the military does a great job uh, indoctrinating you and training you, but then when it comes time to uh, redeploy back home, uh, it's really not the soldier so much that that needs that training and how to, uh, how to go home. It's the family that needs the training and how to receive the soldier home. Sounds like, uh, uh, household six Amante needs to, uh, teach the army an SOP on
2: how to train uh,
1: spouses to receive troops back home. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. She could lead a whole seminar, like a weekend seminar on that. <laughs> uh, if,
3: they, you know, I, you, you, you agree, agree to that. But here's what I'll t- What I will say is, uh, we have amazing community in the military, right? And so um, you, you don't have to tell any of these wives anything. They <laughs> just figure it out. They have a tribe of their own. And and again, with all the social media and everything out there, you know they are able to stay connected. And uh, you know there's a uh, there's goodness to that, right? We we don't need a structured system because. Before you know it, you let the army or, or the military take a hold of that, and we're doing more online training.
2: So
4: yeah, let's, that's let's right. It.
3: Let's, <laughs> just, <laughs> let's yeah. just let the girls take care yeah. of it the way they're taking.
2: We're going to need you to knock that online training out this afternoon before you can go home. So uh, <laughs>
3: Re- <yeah>. reintegration <laughs> yeah. online training. Yeah. Oh, my
2: God.
1: I tell you, he's a, he's a great sergeant major. Oh yeah, I, I bet he never he says "get off my grass." <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good, and and I love SAR majors who who uh, go. Hey, we don't need more online training. So that's good. That's really good. That is really good. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, we're coming up on the break here shortly. Uh, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Chewy about uh, um, his philosophy on leadership. Um, he uh, it's something you don't want to miss. Um, he's an incredible leader. He's the leader of leaders now. And uh, so we're really excited about that. So uh, as we come back here uh, after the break, uh, we'll be glad to talk to Chewy a little bit more. And so thanks for being with us today on Putting the Pieces Back Together.
0: You're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, Save the food! We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food! Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food! Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food! And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food! Cha-ching! It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food! Cha-ching! And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food! Cha-ching! So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit SaveTheFood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council.
1: All right, welcome back. You are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And we are joined today by special guest, uh, Sergeant Major Amante, uh, affectionately known as Chewy. And uh, he is sharing some of his stories. Uh, his story about his time in service and uh, what an amazing uh, service record and uh, career he's had. And and so we're going to jump right back into it. Um, you've been sharing a little bit about what it was like returning home. You've shared, you know, how you transition into the Special Forces community. Um, you know, and, and we think about the uh, Special Forces community and, and soldier and leader as this uh, idea of a silent professional. And so we want to start taken a little bit different direction and hear some of your perspective on leadership and uh, learn about your philosophy as as a leader yourself, a a leader of leaders. So will you share a little bit about that with us?
3: Yeah. So, so leadership, I'm I'm, going to say something that's like really shocking to all of you, but you know, the way I I see leadership, it's very simple and I'm going to try to keep it I know we're, we're live on the radio, so there's certain words I can't use, but it's very simple. You just have to give a crap.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's really that simple about people specifically. And so, you know, what are the things that are that are hurting your people? You know, what are, what are their needs and what are their wants and how well do you know your people? All right, and when I say that you're people, I don't say that from a position of authority. You got to see yourself always as an equal. Um, you know, there's there certain little things that uh, I've always said I I, I I would not do, and I don't do. So, so personally, I don't have a parking space. The first thing that I do when I go to a new job and I'm in a position of leadership is I remove that parking space. I want to park as far away as possible where I'll give that parking space to someone else, right? Because those are the beginning stages of of you um, believing your own crap is, is how I see it. And so it's really basic things like, hey, what are your people struggling? What are the things that bother them? And you may not be able to fix it right away. You may not be able to fix those things at all. I think sometimes just them hearing or, or you listening and understanding the things that are troubling them are most most important, and mm-hmm. so it's not you know this complex strategic understanding of how we are going to adjust to our adversaries. No, it's 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 not that complicated. It's just it's just very simple as knowing, hey, what what's bothering your people, and then really understanding that the answers to the most complex things are probably down at the very lower soldier level, mm. you know? The things that that our men and women know today, I'll tell you like the service members that we have coming into the army today are like unbelievably intelligent and talented. Um, and it's our responsibility, the older generation, right? To adjust to all of the strengths that they are bringing in and what i what i see oftentimes is that we tend to be the stubborn ones and say oh you know why don't they get it um maybe maybe they they do get it and we just need to adjust how how we deliver information right
2: i I know that's really that's, that's really
3: my perspective is really just knowing your people talking to them yeah. as often as possible and,
2: and uh i watched this know. guy do this stuff right for a long time and i remember um yeah when we first started we we i knew him from afar but then we got to work closely together uh, for a, a good for a good bit of time and in, in the early days of us um working together he was he was a senior nco uh, at the at the company that that i was assigned to and and uh i used to watch chewy invest into the lives of the of the youngest newest dude or girl that came into the unit and he would and it wasn't lip service it wasn't like hey hey young soldier how you doing i mean i mean i'm talking an in, in investment of time and then not only time but accountability um and you used to give up you, remember we would do the soldier of the month and you'd like give up your parking spot or, or either build or somebody want somebody would give up their parking spot for the soldier of the month and that was a pretty cool um pretty cool thing but I, I just i i he lived it by example um he, he set a great example for me about how to treat others and then and i will say this about you Chewie, and you're gonna, you you'll i mean i, I don't know it probably embarrass you but one of the things that i know is is that he's an active listener um he is every time we have a conversation is nothing's ever about him it's always about how are you doing Tell me about this, and he's, and he wants to know how other people are doing as well. And he remembers small details that are, um, they're very personable, and and that's why he's the leader that he is, right? Yeah. Um, and he's formally educated, you know. I know that he's been to a lot of schools. His DD two fourteen will be filled with a lot of different schools, but that is those character traits um, that he has are uh, those are invaluable for sure. Julie, I'd like
1: to uh, just kind of transition this a little bit. I think one of the really important things that that I heard you just say about, particularly about giving up your parking spot, that being the first thing that you're doing, as as a leader, you're influencing the culture of the unit. And, you, you're, and in the civilian wor- world, it would be like saying you're influencing the culture of the company, and you're bringing your culture to that to that company. and And how would you? S- say that culture that you bring to an organization has has influenced other leaders and how have they responded to you in that process
3: yeah so so you know as you talk about that 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 culture piece and being um you know whether whether I am new to that organization or not is is really sometimes like closing your mouth listening and seeing (laughs) people's you know, just, just their nonverbal cues when someone else speaks and really understanding what that environment's like, right? Like that, that's the first thing that that I've learned to do because I've screwed it up in the past, right, where I try to take, um, you know, the same arm bar uh, or the same wrestling move that I've used before that's worked for me and try to apply it to this to this new match. Well, that's not going to work. Uh, maybe that opponent's a little more experienced or knows that trick, right? Right. Um, it's really just taking a, a step back and really having a good understanding of where that organization is to know what role they need you to fill in order for that organization to be successful and for individuals to be successful. Um, you know, the, the second thing that I, I, I'm constantly fortunate of is that I have, you know, dear friends and uh, mentors of mine that I'm constantly talking to. Most recently, one of my closest friends, uh, he gave me a book as he was changing command, a third group. Uh, the book is titled, uh, Trust and Inspire. Um, and, and Trust and Inspire, the, the premise of the book is to use that same, the title of the book, use that thought process in this new age of leading where you know uh, typically we're used to more of a command and control um, type of structure, where Trust and Inspire you are really getting to know uh, your people you're investing in them and their development um, long term you are living no kidding by by example and you and you essentially want people to grow and go out and be inspired to want to lead other people mm-hmm. and so what that may mean let's say in a corporate organization right or a company right that you know their end state is, to make money, right? Could we make that organization be more than just making money? And you see you know, uh, large companies like Google and Apple and those, they've, they've piggybacked off that. And what they're doing is they're giving people a tool, whether it's a computer, whether it's a social media platform, something to create and be creative. When you look at their commercials, that's what their commercials, you know, they sell the person holding the nice, you know, cup of coffee and they're wearing jeans and a t-shirt and making music or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, that, that I think that is long-term investment into leaderships and organizations. So that was long-winded,
2: but, but no, no, know, no, that's, um, that's good. perfect. You're listening
0: to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. Do you know who's awesome? You. You might not know this yet, but you can help make a difference, all by joining the San Diego Zoo Global Wildlife Conservancy. They are an organization dedicated to helping endangered animals, and you can help right now. You can literally save the lives of endangered animals all over the world. Endangered animals are waiting for your help, but not for long, so don't keep them waiting. Help make the difference and join the San Diego Zoo Global Wildlife Conservancy. To join, visit endextinction.org.
1: You've been listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes with our special guest today, Sergeant Major Amante,
2: uh, affectionately known as Chewy. Yep. So uh, I got a great question for you. You're going to love this one. Uh, share, share with us how you are uh, developing leaders in your kids uh, through um, and then helping other other folks uh, do the same with their kids by doing sort of a... a you know a a skills camp that you do i think it's more Um, like squad level training yeah well he does (laughs) squad level training but but i've i've been to his house a number of times and i've seen this in action but tell us a little bit about your philosophy of parenting of being a dad and husband and wife team with this squad of six kids this half oda that you have uh, um, uh, there on your premises but tell us a little bit about what you guys do and i think it's really unique what y'all do for your kids out at camp mccall
3: all right, so so I gotta tell a story before I tell that. So 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 here here's the story. The story is when when I, I graduated the special forces qualification course, one of the things you get awarded to like symbolize that you're a Green Beret is a a, a Yarbrough knife. And and it was named after one of our plank holders, uh, you know, General Yarbrough. And so so we get this knife, it's very sharp. It's like it's like a Rambo knife, right? Some people put it on their kit, some people put it you know, on a shadow box on their walls. Most people like me have it in a closet somewhere. <laughs> and uh, the first time I took that thing out was years later when my daughter was born. <laughs> and so I put it in the backpack. Brad knows what I'm about to say. So, yeah. so we go to Womack, which is the hospital here on base. And, uh, you know, my wife is going through a very tough, um, you know, labor. You know, she, she, um, she doesn't want any meds or anything like that. She wants to do a natural birth. Uh, which she did with all the kids. And um, and finally, Clara comes out, and she's like, you know, like a baby looks, right? Like She's not beautiful. She looks all purple and mangled and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And uh, and before anyone has a chance to react, I reached in my bag, I pulled my Yarbrough knife, and we cut her umbilical cord from yep. the Yarbrough knife. That's, uh, and everyone in the room is like, what? <laughs> just
2: happen, right <laughs> yeah
3: now my wife my, my daughter loves hearing the story we did put it on a shadow box and it still has the blood from her cord and oh my all that God, stuff. Yeah. pretty good story to tell well her,
2: right? and there was another baby born and clara um, i can't remember which one it was cuz i was i was there cuz you were out of town and clara ended up cutting the umbilical cord for her little sister um, for an Annie, uh, with, uh, she didn't, they couldn't find the Yarborough knife. You remember that? So they had poultry shears.
3: <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so a lot of interesting stories with our family, but, but I tee that up to say, you know, uh, I'd read a couple books on, um, on culture within your family. Right. And uh, I wanted to do something because I was always gone. Something that forced, that was a forcing function for me to make a connection with my kids. And so we made a family internal rite of passage. And so when my kids turn 13 on their 13th, leading up to their 13th birthday, they have to do a trek. It's a two, three day trek. Hopefully they don't get a hold of this and they hear me say this. Yeah. So they don't know they're going to do this. <laughs> they're going to do a two day trek where they have to navigate, they have to negotiate with people they have to live off of livestock. So they may trade and barter and they think they're going to get food, but instead they'll get a chicken and uh, you know, they got to prepare that chicken, expire that chicken, all those things. And they got to survive in the woods for a <laughs> two day period. And eventually they, they'll make their way back. And the, the point of that was not so much for the track, but because I can't wait until they're, you know, 12 with you know 11 months and two weeks before their birthday to start the training. I started that training uh, years ago, and so we do all this kind of training, and it's really not about the training. It's more about me connecting with them, mm-hmm. and um, and so that,
5: you know, as we were
3: doing that, we said, you know, we, we can't keep this for ourselves, and and I was in the position where I was able to uh, allow other kids within our community, and then now, even kids in the local community where we have a mentorship program, we call it Passing of the Yarbrough.
1: So chewy we're, we're we're getting down to the wire here. You know, we've got a dozen more questions we'd love to ask. I mean, this is just such an interesting topic and and but I'd like to close out in, with a very specific question for you. Whether it's uh, parents of of young young adults that are thinking about joining the military or young adults thinking about joining the military, what advice would you give to them?
3: Yeah, so it's been life-changing for me. Uh, what I would like to tell or ask parents to do is the best thing that you could do for your children's future and for your country simultaneously is support them and um, encourage them to serve their military, whether it's three years or whether, you know, it's 26 years, 30 years. Um, there is no better thing than, than serving your country. The opportunities that you would have to develop um, and, uh, and to really come to the conclusion that life is not about you mm. it's about other people um i i am a, a an example of that uh had it not been for the military i cannot tell you where i would be right now and so what i would say is you know parents wives husbands anyone out there man support your loved ones in serving and i would say take it one step further and encourage them
4: to serve that is amazing. Chewy,
1: thanks so much for uh, for your time today. Thanks for your service. Um, just really, really appreciate all that you shared with us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah,
2: Next week we've got much, Ann Jeff. Cohen joining us, and you will not want to miss this show. I'm not going to spoil it, but, oh, my gosh, please tune in next week for Ann Cohen. She's got an incredible story about her dad who served in World War II. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on Putting the Pieces Back Together presented by Purple Heart Homes. Thank you, Chewy, Leah. Jason, you guys are awesome. Uh, See y'all next week. Thank you so much.
0: Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect with your hosts, John Galena and Brad Borders. Visit PurpleHeartHomesUSA.org for ways you can support.